All right, so, let's let let's let's get rid of this bad juju, guys. Let's get rid of this bad juju. Mm -hmm. You know. And now let's talk about the shit that's good. The quality shit. The top shelf shit. The shit that makes you go, this is gourmet shit. Let's right. talk about our best movies of 2022. So are there any honorable mentions? Anything you guys want to say before we get started? Um, I will put out some... Well, here, do we want to... Yeah, I'll put out some quick honorable mentions that are not going to be in my top 10. I'm just going to name the names, and if they're in your guys' top 10, that's great. Um... My some of my honorable mentions include uh, Top Gun Maverick, The Black Phone, and Prey, just to name the main ones. Uh, also, I'll say it now, after much deliberation, my biggest honorable mention, because I really enjoyed the movie, but it is honorable mentions, is Till. It will not be in my top ten. Thoroughly impeccable movie nonetheless, but that is the highest honorable mention. Jay, how and about it, you? Uh, I don't have any honorable mentions because, like I said, it was it was really hard for me to just make this top ten in general. So I mean, I mean, I mean everything that's not in my bottom five or top ten uh, fits into the average category for me. Gotcha. All right. So I I gotta say, um, and maybe it, you know, I I gotta say that uh, my I don't have a lot of honorable mentions. Um, I know Jay that this will probably make you roll your eyes, but, but I do have to say that I was very thoroughly impressed with the way of water. Um, I think, I think James Cameron fixed the biggest problem I had with the first avatar, which was that I honestly, I didn't find any of the characters memorable and who knew the way to make a memorable character, make teenagers. I, I really found all the teenage characters in this movie, really memorable spider, Loak, Kiri, you know, I got to say, in regards to Kiri, Sigourney Weaver kills it as playing a teenage girl. Like, you thoroughly believe you're you're seeing, like, a, a, a teenager. And this is a woman who's, like, well into her 60s, I believe. Uh, so I'm thoroughly impressed. I mean, and again, James Cameron's the only one who seems to do 3D so well that I just... His movies are the only ones where I go, like, you have to see it in 3D. Well, that and uh, Martin Scorsese. Um, so that's, like, my biggest honorable mention. Um, I do have to say... My, my smaller ones is like, I absolutely loved watching Sonic the Hedgehog 2. It was fun. It was great seeing Jim Carrey being 90s Jim Carrey. Uh, you know, listen, it's it's not an A-list cast outside of him, but everyone does the best work they can. And honestly, I think Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has the best post credit scene of any movie of 2022. Straight up. That, that includes the MCU movies. Uh, Michael Bay, Ambulance. Fuck yeah, guy. Michael Bay discovered drones, guys. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. And, and you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's just always game. And Yaya Mateen II, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II is a really, really good in that as well. So is uh, Eliza Gonzalez. They're a really great trio. And finally, like, really and truly the only Disney movie that I consistently recommended people, Chippendale Rescue Rangers? A lot of fun. Oh. A lot of fun. And really one of the few things that's worth watching on Disney Plus these days. Uh, like, it's not officially a Lonely Island production, but the Lonely Island are heavily involved. Uh, I mean, uh, Akiva Schaefer is the director, and Yorma Tacone is plays, like, multiple voices, and obviously one chip is it Dale or Chip is played by uh, Andy Samberg, and John Mulaney plays the other one. And it, it, they're really good performances, so... 
I gotta say, those are my honorable mentions that I felt were worthy enough to talk about. So I was about we I get do started. I have one honorable mention that I forgot. What? Uh, my honorable mention would be Devotion. Uh, it was a solid, solid, good buddy movie. Uh, good, good Korean War movie. Um, it it wasn't enough to get into the top ten for me, but I still really liked it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So. And and you know, Devotion. All the war movies I saw this year were really good. You know, but I, I'm not particularly a war movie person, but they were all really good. So those are also in my honorable mention. So Jay, give us your 10th best movie of 2022. Well, you actually just talked about it. My number 10 is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I watched that cartoon as a kid. Um, when, when we got, when I got the Disney channel, that was one of the shows I watched. I just, I loved it. Um, this one just brought me back, brought me back to the like my childhood a lot, um, but in in a way that was fitting for an adult audience. Um, uh, I liked how they they approached the three D digital animation versus the two D drawn animation kind of dynamic with both Chip and Dale. Like it really worked, and it was a really good. Um, you know, difference between the two and how they did things. Um, and and I also just it just I don't know it just was just a nostalgia overload. I would put this up there in the category of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, they did a great job of blending animation and live action and making animated characters like Hollywood actors who who. who are just working on these shows instead of being in these shows, you know? And I, and I, I like when they can do that with, with these characters. Um, and yeah, it just, it was just a fun time for me. And that's why it's my number 10. Um, my number 10 is, was one hell of an action movie. Uh, my friends, this was bullet train. Oh my God. What a fun time. Um, it, you know, you had, you have a great blend of East and West action, you know, you have really awesome camera work that self, self-deprecating, self-aware the whole time, um, but it was at such a great pace that never, almost never let up, um, and for that, I just... I was in my seat the whole time, loving every second of it. And that also, I think because of how strange the movie is, I accepted the admittedly pretty crazy ending to it. Um, Because the moment you show the life cycle of a bottle of water, well, at that point, you can do not whatever you want, but you can, you've opened up a lot of possibilities and you've made that work. You've opened up a lot of possibilities. So it was just, and it was funny too. Like it was really funny. Um, my biggest fear initially when the movie came out was this is such an ensemble cast. There's no way they're going to make this work. Like we can't keep track of all these people. But the solution was just killing them very quickly, which. <laughs> I was okay with in this sense. We got 
we got what they were and you, you kill them when you kill them and they end up being a piece of a bigger puzzle and for that I loved it and it knew which ones to focus on more which ones to keep around longer uh, so yeah bullet train is my number 10 I just want to say before I give my number 10 uh, bullet train and and uh, Chip and Dale were were like really high in my honorable mentions but I genuinely I knew someone would one of you two would mention bullet train so I was like I don't need to talk about it, someone will I genuinely didn't think anybody was going to talk about Chip and Dale so I'm really happy Jay, <laughs> that you that you talked about it I really because I'm like like I gotta mention these movies because they're probably not going to talk about them, but I, I I want people to watch it. But anyway, uh, my number ten. So listen, I I'm a biased motherfucker. I have my favorite filmmakers, and this one is like top three favorite filmmaker of all time. <laughs> so anytime he releases something, I like like I genuinely feel that he and I have a connection, where he's like, I'm gonna make stuff that I know Alan's gonna be like, yes, more of this. And honestly, uh, uh, David Cronenberg and Crimes of the Future, it is a weird movie. It is a super weird movie, and it's not for everyone, but it ticks every box I have. It's off-kilter. It's body horror. It's Viggo Mortensen being weird. Like, like he's, he's, he's like, hurt in pain, but it's like a sexual pain. It, this is some crazy shit, guys. And But the, the, other, the crazy thing about it, it's crazy shit, but... David Cronenberg shoots it and presents it in a very kind of matter of fact way, a very subtle way. Like he's not like, he's not like a modern filmmaker where like in order to really get squeeze the weirdness out, just shoots it in such a way to make it really in your face. He's just like, no, 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 I'm just going to have the camera right there and I'm just going to present it. And these people are going to be weirded. It, it, and you know, I got to say it, it's, I miss seeing the body horror like visual effects animatronics that you would see in a David Cronenberg movie. We haven't seen this since 1998's uh, or 1999's X extends. And I really, really loved it. So this movie's not for everyone. Like I got to say that unless you like stuff like uh video drone X extends, uh, dead ringers, um, uh, uh, scanners. Like if you like that stuff, then please give this a watch. Cause this is exactly in that vein. And, Listen, it's always great when a master of cinema is able to make another movie again, and I'm, I'm really happy he got a chance to and got a chance to fulfill his vision. I'm really, really happy with it. So, yeah, uh, Crimes of the Future is my 10th best movie of the year. Nice. Jay, your number nine. <clears throat> is, it, is it my turn? My number nine um, was a movie we all watched together, um, and it is Prey. Um, you know, the the hero's journey is a is an age old story that's told time and time after again. And, and they really did a good job with that here with the coming of age story and the hero's journey story. Um, uh, and, and it, and they did so in a way that reinvented the predator franchise that honestly really needed it. Um, you, you know, it, it, it was, no secret when they did Alien versus Predator that they were wanting to make Predator movies, but they just had no idea what the fuck to do. Um, and then they made <clears throat> uh, the 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 Predator movie where they go to the planet was you know was fine, and then the other Predator movie was just like whatever. But this one was like a genuine 
genuinely good story and a genuinely good film. Uh, it was shot beautifully. They they did a great job designing this new predator, this the feral predator. Um, uh, they they made it historically accurate and and culturally accurate as well with with this tribe and you know it's it's you know it was it's a good time it's a good film um and yeah i think i think we we talked about this i think there's there's definitely a lot of room for continuing this story uh and and growing the predator franchise in this direction and i think th- this is a very good start for that so, yeah, absolutely. Um, my number nine is uh, The Batman. Um, for really, yeah, well, let me first, yes, I know, it was three hours. <clears throat> I know, we all know, we all, we saw it together, yes. Um, this movie is on my top ten for one major reason, and that is that it. we finally, honestly, truly got a live-action version of Batman the Detective. We had never really gotten that fully in any of the other live-action Batman movies. Prior to this, the closest we got was The Dark Knight, and this took it to a whole new level. This was Batman meets Seven. This was him, not an experienced fighter, not able to fully handle himself, uh, really just screwing up at times, but him j- really putting the pieces together and trying to solve a mystery. Um, and the entire look of the film, holy shit, it not, it, it, it's the way it is my, it is my favorite Gotham is what I'll say. There are Batman movies that are better shot than this, but this is my favorite Gotham that I've seen because it is dark and grungy without also being kind of too hokey or too kitschy. Chicago. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, but it's also, it, it couldn't do the realistic thing because uh, Dark Knight had that in the bag, so you can't do that anymore. Um, so it, it knew exactly, it knew the line to toe with the way this city needs to look. It, um, and usually when you start having multiple villains, you can get a little concerning. This balanced it very well. Um, and I also was relieved to see uh, Robert Pattinson portray a solid Batman. One can argue that playing Batman only requires a few things, but he he knew actually much like another actor, uh, another performance I mentioned in the bottom five. He knew what this needed to be, and he fully delivered. Um, so yeah, this is my number ten because we got Detective Batman. My number nine, sorry, because we got Detective Batman in a live action setting, and it was done so right. My ninth favorite movie of 2022, what I consider to be the ninth best movie. So, like I said earlier, I'm a very biased guy. There are cer- there are certain genres, certain subject matters that touch us, touch at my heartstrings, and I I just get I just get really close to them. And when we saw the trailer for this movie, I leaned over to see, and I was like, I think this might be my favorite movie too. 
it didn't end up being my favorite movie of 22, but it's definitely in my top 10. And that's uh, The Menu, which, listen, I'm so happy that even though it kind of didn't do so well in theaters, the moment it came on HBO Max, it literally found like its legs. And now it's it's it really is, was one of the most talked about movies of the year. The Menu, you know, it, this is a horror film slash satire on on kind of the gastronomic high high gastro like gourmet cooking type deal you know like like it's 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 a cre it's a screed against foodies it's a screed against the the just the snobbishness of hawk cuisine and i'm totally here for it uh what seth rice and will tracy wrote in their screenplay is basically what everyone who who's grown up close to the restaurant industry, who's participating in the restaurant industry. It's everything that we all have in our hearts of powers about just the just the artificial fakeness of of this industry, of, of this way. And and what what sucks is that honestly cooking is probably the earliest form of art because it was the earliest form of expression to make something that other people want to eat, you know? And listen, Ray Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, I, I'll be honest, he uh, he reminds me of someone who's very close in my life and just captured that energy of a, of a gourmet executive chef who's just sick and tired of all the bullshit. And that really spoke to me, that really did. Anya Taylor-Joy does a great, great job as the protagonist, you know, the battle of wits between her and Ray Fiennes is a sight to behold. And give an applause to Nicholas Holt, man. He played probably one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever seen this year. Honestly. And But I loved everything about this movie. Um, I loved Hong Chow as the assistant to Ray Fiennes. And listen, I have my problems with the ending. But at the heart of the, of the climax, I thought was really said everything that needs to be said about why people go into this business, why people want to be cooks. Why, why do they want to be a chef? It is such a thankless job where you kind of lose, you kind of lose your life to this art and just the simple joys of making a, a, a cheeseburger. That just, that just really spoke to me. You know, I, I, I got my heart strings tugged more with uh, pig, which was, I think pig was like my favorite movie of last year. Uh, but and this is more kind of horror satire, but I gotta say it still scratched that itch and I'm, I was thoroughly thoroughly happy with this movie and again So happy that it's finally found its legs on streaming All right, wow, so, so that's the first time anyone's ever compared me to Ralph Fiennes <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm obviously I'm on a Taylor joy, so we all know that <laughs> in this scenario mm, mm, mm. So, Listen, sure. that 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 comment was not necessary. You're you're, but, uh, you're more Anya Taylor Joy's PA. If, if hmm, <laughs> that mm. that hurt me. Um, so All we're right, on Jay. to number eight. Number eight. eight. Number eight. Now this is this is one of those movies that was definitely affected by the pandemic, and they talk about this and the follow up to this because this is Jackass Forever, um, and they talked about it in four point five. Where like like they were talking about getting together, they brought in some new people, and they're like, we just need to shoot some stuff and see if it works. And they spend the weekend, they shoot some stuff, and they're like, yeah, this is great. And then everything gets shut down, 
you could tell you could tell what stuff is the older stuff and what stuff is the stuff after the pandemic started because Johnny Knoxville's hair color is completely different because he came back completely gray. Um, but but the Jackass movies have always been just such a great time, and you know, back going back to the nostalgia thing, you know, these are my teenage years of watching that show and then watching these movies and and. And like, like, these guys have been a part of my life for the better part of twenty years. You know, um, obviously there were some members of the cast who were in this one for very sad reasons, but but with what they did, they made it work and they made it great, and they brought in fresh talent, and 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 not only that, but we love the new talent, and it's funny. They they got a little bit scientific with some of it too, which was great, um, and, and it's just like anytime anytime there's something involved with the Jackass guys, you know you're gonna have a good time, you know you're gonna laugh, and you know you're gonna like kind of belong in in a weird way, like like you're gonna be talking about this with someone, and it's and and you might even be talking with it about it with someone. Five or ten years from now, and stuff like that. It's just it's just one of those memories you can create with your friends, kind of thing. So so I mean, number eight for me is Jackass Forever. I just want to say that before I go to my number eight, that as you were talking about all of this, I had the biggest smile on my face the whole time because that is such nostalgia, and I, I will say that that. You're absolutely right. Those movies and those shows, they capture a very specific time in a lot of our lives um, that that this movie 100% delivered on and understood the evolution of what this needs to become. So I, I just had the biggest smile while you're talking about that. You Absolutely, and I should have put that as my as an honorable mention, but I'm glad I didn't. So you could say all of that. I, I honestly, I, I knew it was going to be on on Jay's top ten because he's talked about how much he he loves the Jackass movies, and I think that's actually my girlfriend's favorite movie of 2020. I love that she loves it. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. But I mean, like, I mean, like these guys, like they're so. It's it's, they're such great examples of what a person should be like you can you can like completely fuck with people but in the end you still love these people and and there's a lot of bonding and community and acceptance in this group and and that's what that's what brings you in and that's what keeps you in with these guys too and just anytime they anytime they make something you're just like fuck yes i want more uh it's it's the certain comedy like that when done right, never gets old. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's, you know, it's it's Charlie Chaplin. It's Three Stooges. It's Jackass. Like there's, when when the heart is when 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 a person's heart is in the right place for it, it it there's nothing. Sometimes there's nothing better. Um, my number eight, I'll admit, is a pretty significant shift from what Jackass is, but my number eight is a movie that uh, every 
usually every year, but with COVID, maybe every few years. There's always one movie that really, it's usually some sort of independent movie that really is pretty drastically ignored. Um, and it's pretty criminal when it happens. But it's the nature of the industry that this, that this is. It happens. Gems get missed. So my number eight is one of those gems, and that is The Inspection. Um, this is, I actually think this was the best adapted screenplay written in 2022. Um, and it is really disappointing that the Academy missed that. Um, because it's, because at the end of the day, for adapted screenplay, it's either how well did you adapt said play and or book, or how amazing is the true story and how great is the movie that is based on said true story. With the inspection, you have 9-11 era training, uh, 9-11 era um, boot camp movie, basically, with a gay man trying to be a Marine because all his friends have died. Um, his mother wants nothing to do with him. He's homeless. He has nothing left. And he just, the way he views himself at the moment is with such little, such low worthless, such he, he sees himself so low. Uh, there's actually one scene, there's one line the actor gives where he's like, if I, if I, if I do this, then I'm, there's some, I have something. If, even if I die, it's like, this is, I'm, I'm, I did something. Like nothing up until now is anything. And that's such an intense thing to say. Uh, but, yeah, basically, it's about a closet, a a gay man, not closeted, a gay man who is trying to become a marine uh, in an era of don't ask, don't tell, basically. Um, and you have this really what is what is was originally a subgenre of movies, the boot camp movie, where I really didn't think you could do anything more with that. Suddenly the most obvious thing that I'm amazed nobody has done has happened. Um, I also want to point out that the actually the best performance of that, which I also thought was a potential Oscar nominee, was the, um, oh my God, the uh, the drill instructor. He... That came my, Woodbine. Woodbine. Yes, Woodbine. Uh, he just was the, he was the through line that this whole movie needed. And he played it so goddamn well um, that, yeah, there's, this director is going places, I know that. Um, actually, it did get a Golden Globe nomination, I think, for Best Actor, I think, but I could be wrong. Um, so it got some acknowledgement, but... This is one of those stories that needs to be told, but it's also thankfully done very well. Um, and it is a, it is, they do a lot with very little. There's other movies on my list that also do a lot with very little, but this is a, for the sake of argument, a first time director, not actually, but for the sake of argument, a first time director working with a very small budget with 
less known actors with some exceptions. Um, but I had to put this movie on my list because it's, it's being forgotten when it should not be. So yeah, that's my number eight. <clears throat> my number eight is quite possibly my favorite horror movie of 2022. And that is Barbarian by Whitest Kids You Know alum, Zach Krager. So listen, Barbarian, you know, when when people first started watching it, they were saying it's not as good as Get Out, but it's definitely, it's definitely what Get Out was to 2017, Barbarian is to 2022, which was this, this guy who was only known from comedies, literally directed... His his other movie he directed was Mitch, Miss March, was which was a comedy movie by the whitest kids you know, and he directs this quite possibly one of the craziest, most fucked up, and fascinating horror movies I've seen this year. You know, and listen, th this is a guy who, who first of all, this his protagonist the actress Georgina Campbell, she needs to be in more things. This movie is basically her is all she needs to show a demo reel to be like, I'm, I'm a star. And honestly, this is the first movie in a long time where I've seen Justin Long. Just go above and beyond what what people expect of him. This is this is some of his best work in years, in years. And uh, what Zach Krager does with making you feel horrified over just the rundown ruins of De uh, the outskirts of Detroit there is one scene in here which is shot in this very like unusual kind of point of view camera shot that takes place in the 70s was is one of the most unnerving sequences of a horror film that I've seen in a while. And I've seen a lot of horror films this year, more so than usual. I absolutely loved Barbarian. Absolutely loved it. I I am excited to see what Zack Krager does next. I, I, I was actually really happy to see that uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Comedic, now horror genius Jordan Peele, was in a bidding war to get Zach Kreger to make a horror movie under his production banner, which he lost. So if Jordan Peele is like, this guy is the future of horror, I'm going to listen to him, and I'm excited to see what he does next. For those that haven't seen it, go into Barbarian as blind and as not knowing anything about the movie as possible. It's, it's one of the best things I've seen all year. And yeah, I, oh God, just absolutely adored it. I, I think, I honestly think that um, I've never had a better experience watching a horror movie than I did when when I went to see Barbarian with, with I think I saw it with you, C, correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. and everyone was just, in, was just enjoying it. This is what, Barbarian is what a horror movie should be. Every second, you're either screaming or going, what the fuck? Absolutely adored it. All right. Number seven. Uh, seven. So my my number seven um, is everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, this is, this is, you know, uh, this is a great movie all around. Like, it's solid, solid all the way through. Um it's 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 very good to have another uh, heavy Asian filled cast in a in a in a movie that succeeds very well in America. 
um, you know, something that I think started with Parasite. Um, it's very good for, uh, I'm trying to think of names. Uh, is it Michelle Yao? Is that her name? Yeah, Michelle Yao, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, this was like the first thing I've seen her in where I didn't hate her. Now, granted, the only thing else that she's in that I've seen her in is Star Trek Discovery, and and my feelings about Star Trek Discovery are more intense than my feelings about Black Adam. So, <laughs> wait, so have, you, have yeah. you ever seen any of her stuff from Hong Kong? I have not. I haven't even seen uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We gotta change so, that. So we we gotta change that. But but yeah. So so um, I had no idea that this movie existed until I was on my way to the theater with my friends uh, when I visited them in Indianapolis. But um, uh, I love that this has reinvigorated Ki Hu Kwan's career. Um, uh, you know, short round from Indiana Jones. Like, that's that's incredible. I love that. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a film where Jamie Lee Curtis gets to be Jamie Lee Curtis and be really fun. Um, always good to see James Hong at a movie, and and now we have Stephanie Sue, who's also pretty good. Um, th- like, this is such a great ride and such a great maze. From, uh, from, you know, you start with this character who's just like, just m- feels miserable with her life. And ultimately, it finds out that like something that she's really missing is the relationship with her daughter, and it, and they they take their time getting there, but that's worth it. Like like once you once you realize what where the film is actually going, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, and whether or not is like you know everything actually happens or it's just all in her head, you know that's up for debate. Sure. But, um, you know, they, they took risk on this film and it works. Um, the, the special effects, um, and the editing are, are top notch in and of themselves. Um, it's, it's deeply moving and it's also really funny and it's got a lot of great action. Um, so yeah, so, um. I definitely want to see more from these actors. I want to see more from uh, Dan Kwan, the director. Um, I think I think there's some Oscar noms for this guy for this movie, um, and and I I I wouldn't be mad if they won a few. So well, so well, Chess. A few minutes ago, um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis won the SAG for best really? actress. Yeah, Chess. Really? Curtis okay. Wow. Well, okay. Well, that'll be. Yeah, see, it's right. dominated for eleven Oscars, which is pretty good. Um, screenplay, uh, music, best supporting uh, actress, best actress, best supporting actor. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely would be happy if they won a few of these. So yeah, I mean, and it's just, and and you go and you come out of it, you feel good, and you've had a great experience, and like that's what you want out of a movie for the most part. So yeah, that's my number seven. All right. My number seven is okay. I'll just say it. My number seven oh, is a movie. Uh, just oh. letting you know, yeah. fake 
Kei Hui Kwan also won Best Supporting Actor at the SAG. So Oh damn. So okay. pretty much he's the front runner to win Best Supporting Actor for the Oscars. Shit. Love All it. right. Okay then. Um breaking news, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Okay. My my number seven is a film called Bones and All, which I this is actually the closest the, I'm gonna say what Al said for um Crimes of the Future, and that is that this movie is so not for everyone, okay? A, this movie is really, actually really, I love the look of this movie because it's, it's, it looks, it looks disjointed and rough, but it's all clearly very planned. And I, also just love that it was clearly shot on real film. Um, and what a weird concept. So by, yes, by the way, it's basically, it's a cannibal love story, literally, that takes itself 100% seriously. No comedic aspects whatsoever. It is about a girl who for years has been a cannibal and her father basically can't take care of her anymore. They keep having to to go to different towns. They keep having to start their lives over. So when she's 17, she she goes to a sleepover and there's an incident again. And her father just leaves and can't take care of her anymore. Gives her some money and says, good luck. Uh, Your mother was like you and she thought she could control it, but she couldn't. So then she's just on this. It becomes this road trip, um, you know, coming of age story slash romance but with also having to eat people or trying to figure out when to eat people and that whole sense. And it's, I just love the movie's acknowledgement of at the end of the day, there's certain biological factors of who we are. Sometimes it's taking that many degrees too far, but the messaging in that is very clear. It's like, sometimes you just have to accept who you are and you might as well find someone nice along the way like sometimes there is no good ending or there is no happy story to any of this um it just is what it is so to speak um but that being said much like call me by your name anyone who's not into this movie i don't even try to convince them otherwise because it's like i get it i get why you don't want to say it because the the cannibal scenes are very realistic, like completely. It's a little freaky at times. Um, but yeah, and it's I'm trying to think of another way to put it. I think it's also a really good summary of like the quality of horror we got because we also, we not only just got a lot of horror, all most of the horror movies that came out the good ones, that is, were very, very unique. They were very different, and they tried a lot of alternative approaches to things you really wouldn't expect. And I think this is a really good summary of that. It's it's realistic twilight. It's, 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 it's gritty, it's gross, but in a really weird way, it's really, really beautiful. And... I also just loved how the movie really delved into the 
day-to-day, I guess you could say, semantics and so f- sort of trials and tribulations of what it would be like to have this need. Um, because the movie makes it very clear that they can eat other things. You can eat food, but eventually the desire to eat flesh just overwhelms you. And if you don't do it on a slow, consistent basis, you will hurt somebody. And I, 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 it made it a much more complicated thing that it wasn't food necessary. It was just this deep-seated desire. And that made the morals all the more complicated for it. So yes, I give uh, Bones and All a not for everybody, but my number seven. My number seven is uh, a movie that has been spoken of already, but I, I, what else can be said? Pray. Listen, guys, one of the earliest memories of my childhood was watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day and the original Predator, both was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And listen, I was one of the few people who actually enjoyed Shane Black's Predator movie. I, I liked it. Um, and I was really bummed when I heard that it probably killed the franchise. So when Prey was announced, and it was announced that it was being released on Hulu, I, I had a lot of concerns because I thought to myself, like, it does not make sense how they're going to try to have this list almost Im- like impossible to defeat Alien. Like, if it was impossible for Commandos with semi-automatic guns and like contemporary technology to beat this alien how are how are Comanche indians gonna fare and honestly the movie answered that question in such a satisfying way that was also thematically resonant uh amber mid thunder as as naru is one of the best heroes i've seen of 2022 um she she is not only she's not only capable she has a vulnerability that she tries that she tries to use to her advantage. You know, she she is smart and she is so smart that she knows that this thing that she does not have any frame of reference for, she understands that she can't fight it head on, nor should she fight it head on. She has to use what is given to her, what she's blessed with in order to defeat this. And the way she defeats the predator is one of the most satisfying moments I've had in watching a movie. I was so happy. Dakota Beavers as Tabe, Naru's older brother. Like, Dakota Beavers, man, that's some charisma right there. Every time he was on screen, he always had a sly thing to say, and all his fight scenes were just such a joy to watch. I was like, this guy, this I'm gonna keep an eye on this guy, because if 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 Hollywood knows if Hollywood knows what it's doing, this guy, this guy's gonna be in a lot of action movies coming up. And listen, Dan, Dan Trattenberg. You know, he came onto the scene with 10 Cloverfield Lane and he had the unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate luck that he kept signing on for projects and then the projects just kept falling through. He ended up directing television for a while. He directed the pilot episode of The Boys, but eventually, eventually he was able to make Prey and I'm just really excited to see what he does uh, going forward. Uh, one, of, one of those low-key low-key names to look for because eventually he's going to be doing bigger and bigger things pray don't miss out pray i know if you think like oh it went straight to hulu that must means it's not very good no it's probably the second best predator movie maybe you can even argue the best predator movie so yeah pray is my seventh best film of 2022 on to number six all right Jay. Uh, it's my turn then right 
Um, my my number six. I'm gonna be brief and and straightforward with with this one. Um, if if you want to know my feelings on this film, you can go back to the podcast where I was on and talked about this. Um, but I I I picked Till as my number six. Um, really, it's in my top ten solely because of the impact it it had on me and and how much even now I still think about it. Um. Uh, it's it's a beautiful film, beautiful cinematography, beautiful performances, um, tragic story, um, and and yeah, that's all I really need to say about that. Agreed, agreed. Um, my number six is Nope by the one Nordic, only Jordan Peele. Um, I. I uh, may have made no qualms about the fact that I, like many other people, and really enjoyed uh, Get Out. Just, I, I, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think it's funny at times. I, I love it. But this isn't about that. Nope is me. Is for me has confirmed that Jordan Peele is not a one-trick pony when it comes to directing. Yes, it's horror. For those wondering, expect at least two more directed horror movies from him. Uh, that's his, seems to be his plan. He wants to make what he is calling five social thrillers, so to speak. So expect five in total. Uh, but Nope was by far his biggest budget. Um and was by far his, his most ambitious project. Um, and he, he really delivered. Um, to the truly... I actually will say that Nope might have the best opening scene of 2022. Because it catches you immediately. It is terrifying. It opens up so many questions so fast. It is simply, it is, it's shocking. It's beautiful. It's scary. You're in it so fast, and that's just with the opening opening scene. Uh, from there, it took a genre and subverted it really well. It just the concept of unidentified flying objects or UFOs. Uh, it takes that and it, it basically okay. At this point, spoiler alert, but it takes Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jaws and makes it one movie, and you 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 just love the almost not constant but the the well-timed subversion of the genre that you're watching in real time as you're enjoying the movie. Um, also, the brother and sister, their chemistry works so fucking well. And I think if that didn't work, this movie would not be in my top 10. But being a brother and having a sister, seeing that, while our relationship is certainly different, like every brother and sisters, it captures that dynamics. So I think anyone with a sibling, with a sibling that is close in age, can relate to the dynamic that's really captured in there. Um, 
And it was just nice to see that we've got a lot more good to come from Jordan Peele. Um, I loved the film references in it too, of course. Um, obviously. And it's just, it was by far his most gruesome too, which doesn't necessarily have to be a point in the right direction, but in this case it worked very well. Um, sure, it has some problems here and there. People like to point out that it's a little bloated or it's a little that the final act kind of ties things together weirdly, but it's, it ties things in the same way any sort of giant monster movie does where it's, they win at the end and it's often in a very haphazard way. Um, so yeah, Nope is my number, is my, uh, number six. Because it showed that Jordan Peele's got a lot more to come. My number six is a film that's already been talked about earlier in this episode, and that's uh, the Batman directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, what what can I say? Like, see, you you've said you've said it all. It's it's the bat it's Batman, but done as a detective. It's it's Gotham City meets meets uh, Seven, and it. I think something that's doesn't well actually gets talked about a lot, but I think people forget because you know it's been a year that this is some of the best portrayals of the Batman Rogues galleries we've seen in a while. Paul Dano as the Riddler is a performance. It's a jaw dropping performance. Like we know Paul Dano's a great actor. He's one of the best actors of his generation. But his interpretation of the Riddler is just oh that first, the literally the first scene of the film is about him. It's about him attacking someone, and just the way he his nonverbal acting, his body movements. When he does finally start speaking, and the audience hears that crazed voice he has, it's just it's such a well fully realized character. And my God, uh, um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, like this man went all in on the penguin like i know a lot of people like applaud danny devito because he went under so many prosthetics to play the penguin colin farrell spent almost an entire working day in a chair to play a, a character that maybe has a total of what 15 minutes of screen time maybe 20 and he he steals every scene he's in he's great zoe kravitz plays an amazing selena kyle like, like no, no offense to Anne Hathaway, but her performance, I still to this day think was very, very miscast. She was very miscast. Zoe Kravitz, that's Selena Kyle. She just oozes that sensual cat burglar energy. Oh, it's amazing. And listen, I've, I have my critiques about uh, Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne. I feel like he didn't exactly play a Bruce Wayne. Um, I think he was just an unmasked Batman. That being said, when he plays Batman, he plays Batman. He he encapsulates everything that makes Batman this brooding man who goes through every length to stop crime, to bring fear into the criminals, to bring Gotham City into the light. And I, again, I applaud his performance. And I, Matt Reeves is one of those directors that you look at his filmography and you think to yourself like, Wow, this man has not missed. This man has not missed. And obviously, 
he hasn't had the level of acclaim as someone like Quentin Tarantino or Christopher Nolan. But Matt Reeves is probably the only J.J. Abrams acolyte who, honestly, I think a strong case can be made that he is a stronger filmmaker than J.J. Abrams, honestly. And I'm excited to see what he does with the following two movies in this planned trilogy. I, I think the Batman is quite possibly the best superhero movie of 2022. Nice. Let's go on to number five. Number five. So this is one I think I think both you guys are going to have in your top five as well. Um, it's such a great movie. It's The Northman. Um. I love that we are we are now in an age where the historical epics taken the culture and the magic and the and the weird religions of the times. You know, like you know, you get you get your gladiator and your and your braveheart and 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 all these other things like your Hercules and they and they take they take their religion and the and the supernatural of it and they explain it as it's just it's a legend in this world or something. But here here we take Viking culture and we take Valhalla and we take and uh we take Valkyries and they're real and they exist and and the magic exists. And this is just a just a classic revenge film, uh, revenge story, uh, with excellent one takes, uh, for starters. Um, uh, it's it's pretty much just Hamlet, but they're Vikings, and it's a lot more brutal. Um, it's it it uh, uh Skarsgård does a great job. Uh, Nicole Kidman does a great job. Um, Anya Taylor Joy is awesome as well. It, it's it's just, and, and anytime you have Willem Dafoe being weird as fuck, you, you're you're in for a good time. Um, God, I I need to watch this again soon. I love this one. Yeah, fucking the Northman, dude. Hell yeah. Um, this my, is this is Shakespeare go. without having it been Shakespeare. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my number five is Apollo Ten and a Half. Um, this is a uh, rotoscoped animated film by Richard Linkletter, who has always been a fascinating hit and miss for me. In this case, he really knocked it out of the park. It basically takes place in uh, the space race, and it's about a child's imagination as he imagines being hired by NASA to be a part of it. Um, the whole movie is so fantastically personal that it's one of those movies that helps me understand the era that it takes place in. There are certain movies that do that for me. They either help me understand a type of music or a place in time or a certain person. Um, do usually it's how depend. It's usually due to the intimacy of a movie. And this movie achieves that by having these, after it's established that he's supposed to, in his head, help NASA with the space race, the rest of the movie are just these little vignettes of his childhood. And they're so hyper-specific that there's no way they can't be not be real for, for Linkletter. Um, 
And I think that's why it really stuck with me. It was just such a sweet, heartwarming, simple, fun, but also really explained some of the less discussed parts of the late 60s, early 70s. The, at this point, banality of the hippie movement, the uh, why there was more corporal punishment among teachers with parents and students and how that really worked and sort of the frame, the mind and the, not the mind, the way people thought about that, so to speak. Um, And it just captured that, as I said, so intimately that it's stayed in my head since the moment I saw it. And I also, it's like usually rotoscoping is done so badly, but so far, um, Credit to Richard Linkletter, he's made two of the better ones. Uh, this and, uh, of course, A Scanner Darkly, which if you haven't seen, is a really fun cult hit uh, uh, rotoscoped movie. Um, but yeah, I think it's a movie that people weren't paying attention to as much. And for for reasons I've said already, it's my number five. You know, that the, the Apollotin and Ave is the most surprising for me entry of our top ten list. Credit to you, see that you get the prize for most surprising entry, so far. Hey, maybe, so far, maybe, we'll maybe, see. Maybe, maybe you're Jay, you or Jay shocked me like with your with your top uh, top three. All right, mm-hmm. my fifth favorite movie of 2022, and you guys knew this was going to be high up there if you listened to our our review on this. That is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This to me is the best animated film of 2022. With uh, with uh, Puss and Boots, surprisingly, as the second. But anyway, uh, what can be said? This this is Guillermo del Toro back in a wheelhouse that we did not expect him to be in. His critique and observation of fascist Europe during the war, during the Second World War, and but this time through a project that is not as gory or as as horror. It's still a little horrifying, but not as horrifying. As his two earlier entries in uh, *The Devil's Backbone* and, most famously, *Pan's Labyrinth*. Uh, what what can I say? I I, you know, I, I joke all the time that uh, back in 2019 when C and I watched uh, watch Klaus, that we were shocked that we were watching the best animated film of that year, and in this one, I I thought I was gonna get a good animated film. And I'm shocked that I was getting one of Guillermo del Toro's best films, and his ma- his mastery over the subject matter, over over theme, over tone, over telling this story in such a in such a way that is so uniquely Guillermo del Toro. And credit to his co-director Marcus Stuffinson, who has been a rock star in stop motion animation for decades, finally having his his feature debut, like this. You know, just how we we celebrate um, um, the director of 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 the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, whose name escapes me right now. How he he was able to kind of develop Tim Burton's style for animation. So does Marcus Duffinson is able to adapt Guillermo del Toro's visual aesthetic for Pinocchio. And honestly, this is such a beautiful movie about life nature of life the nature of death you know the nature of just the unbridled childhood unbridled youthness and kind of the pros and cons that comes with that 
and listen, David Bradley, who everyone knows as, as, um, as, oh, the old guy from, from Game of Thrones, whose name again escapes me, Walder Frey. Everybody knows him as Walder Frey, but honestly. Or Filch from Harry Potter. Yeah, but honestly, his performance as Geppetto, who was originally written for John Hurt, but unfortunately he passed away before production began. David Bradley's performance as Geppetto is probably the best performance he's done in his entire career. It is a performance filled with anger, tragedy, despair, love. It is such a beautiful, multifaceted performance. I was shocked. I thought, you know, David Bradley is known as a character actor, but to see him be able to go into this deep into the character was a beautiful thing to behold. I honestly think this is the best interpretation of Geppetto that I've seen in any Pinocchio project. Uh, and there were movie. a lot of them. There were a lot of them, right? It, it's 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 a beautiful movie. And listen, listen, listen. I appreciate Guillermo del Toro, but I've always kind of wished in my heart of hearts that he'd do something like he did with Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone. Who knew it was going to be this animated adaptation of Pinocchio? Absolutely love it. And this is a this is a film that demands to be seen. And I hope it wins the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. On to the number fours, gentlemen. Okay? Four mm, number four. This is this is this is the one I talked about last week, you guys. My number four is all quiet on the Western Front. Um, I listed all my reasons in that podcast pretty well. This is just incredible cinematography that like it, it's my kind of cinematography, really. Um, if I were to you know pick a movie, it's the kind of cinematography I would do. Um, it, it's great acting by a lot of, you know, unknowns as far as, you know, American cinema goes. Um, first time director and, and, you know, what an accomplishment for a first time film director. Um, and, and then I just, I really liked the, the whole circle of life thing they had with, you know, from start to finish with, with the uniform and then the dog tags and, and everything. Um, it just, it just, you, you see a, a complete arc, um, in this and, and you don't always get to see that these days. And so I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, I wish I had seen this in theaters. I wish I was able to, to have seen this in theaters, but, but, you know, Netflix is good enough, but yeah, my number four, all quiet on the Western front. Great movie. Tragic yes. movie. Hard movie to watch, but great. Yes. Yeah. So when I heard Polly Shore was doing an adaptation of Pinocchio, I... No, no. <laughs> go, fuck, go fuck yourself, C. Go fuck yourself. All right. Yeah. Yes, Daddy. That's literally a line that Polly Shore says in that movie. Go fuck no, yourself, okay. C. Fine. Fine. My number four is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. What? Such a <laughs> sh- oh, my God. C picked a Guillermo del Toro movie as one of his top five. What? No, this movie made me fucking cry. That's all I can say. Um, I pushed th- you to watch it, by the way. I mean, I was going to see it. You think I wasn't going to see it? I just didn't want to watch it on my tiny computer. I was going to wait. I watched it over Christmas break at my parents' house, basically. That's when I watched it. Um, so I'm not going to belabor. I'm not going to keep belabor anything that Al's already said. But one thing I will add is, other than obviously the most beautiful claymation I've ever seen, which, fun fact, it is now the longest claymation movie ever made. Um... At like two hours and ten minutes or something. But the way this movie handles 
Pinocchio's developing understanding of the world, which is a very important part in the story of Pinocchio. Hands down, best version of that ever. It is so literal at first, and then it becomes so exactly childlike um, that it's just... Uh, it, it, it just brings a tear to your eye. Um, I actually... Re- Some people had issue with the changes this movie made. Other than the literal change of setting, there are some slight story adjustments. Um, and some people had a major problem with that. I think it absolutely worked in this case. I loved the way this movie handled death as a kid's movie. Because... Guillermo del Toro, when he set out to make this movie, which as Al said, he'd been working on, or as had said multiple times, he'd been working on this one for a while. He wanted to make sure that as many people could watch this as possible, but he at the same time did not intentionally try to make this a film for kids. So he de- deals with extraordinarily mature themes and handles them in I not since Toy Story 3 have I seen death handled so well in a children's movie. Um, or the idea of death, rather. Um, and yeah, I'm ex- I'm I'm I consider myself so blessed that a movie like this exists, and I'm so happy for it. So that's my number four. So my number four. Like, what What can I say? I'm a sucker for these types of things. The Northman. Fuck yeah. Now, I, I, I do want to add something that Jay said when, when he talked about The Northman and his entry. Uh, this film bombed in theaters. It bombed hard. But you know what? Like the menu on HBO Max, this actually found its legs on Peacock, of all things. And unlike... Black Adam, this actually became profitable eventually. <laughs> eventually, I know. Took a minute, but it did. Oh, God. But honestly, Robert Eggers... Listen, I, I... I know this is such a stereotypical thing to say, but, you know, I, I do get tired sometimes of just kind of the, the, the mindless CGI mush that can come out of Hollywood sometimes. But what Robert Eggers does, like, for God's sakes, he co-wrote this with an Icelandic poet to make this as true, (laughs) as true to a Viking tale as possible. And it works. Like, he cast an actual descendant of Vikings, Alexander Skarsgård, as a Viking. No, that dude's still a Viking. He's not a descendant. He's still a Viking. It's this, this, this honestly is one of the greatest one of the best historical epics I've seen in such a long time. And it's so true to what Viking culture was that it, it, it honestly, this movie took a giant risk being as true to Viking culture as it is because we're, 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 we're modern Western people that the things that they value, the things that they dismiss is very alien to us. And honestly can make us feel very, uh, distant from these characters but the how robert eggers directs this story we eventually are able to connect with these people because there's just some values there are just some things that are universal such as honor such as uh revenge for the crimes done against your family you know love 
these are still things that we connect with no matter how many centuries past the northman it's 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 a beautiful movie it's a harsh movie just like scandinavia beautiful and harsh the perfect marriage honestly i just i i get emotional talking about this movie just because when i saw this i was like you know you got you guys know how i felt about about the witch how i felt about the lighthouse this 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 really spoke to me this showed me that that these types of movies can still be made you know it might be a while before they make some money but people people recognize it and i'm glad people recognize just the tremendous storytelling that's being told in this so yeah the northman is my is my number four all right up to our top three top three so jay you're up all right here we go uh my top three my number three uh we've talked about this before it's bullet train Um, hell yeah nice this is this is probably the most fun i've had a movie in a long 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 time i have watched it three times since it came out uh to hbo max um it's 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 a great ensemble cast um it it is a it's a very complex story but it's easy to track and i really like that and it and it's just like crazy and ridiculous and epic in its own rights um you know you, you mentioned the water bottle uh part of it earlier see which is just it's just freaking hilarious like this movie doesn't take itself too seriously it knows what it is and it and it and it is great um this this actually redeemed Aaron Taylor Johnson for me. I I had been pretty down on him for a while. Um, I hadn't really liked anything he did since uh, Kick Ass. Um, so so like he's back in my good graces. Um, what's the other guy's name? Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, he's he's great too. Um, he's he's been a phenomenal talent and he's he's blowing up. Um, but like, like remember when we were talking about Black Adam and how The Rock is an aging actor and he needs to find a new gear. This role for this role for Brad Pitt is exactly the gear he needs to be in. Um, he's he's found this <laughs> this kind of like silly comedic um, uh, guy kind of role, and he's he's been killing it. And, and it, it's, it's for someone who's had such a career as he has and, and all the action and all the drama and all the awards he's won and everything, it's really refreshing to see, to see him in a role like this. And it's, it, it just works for me. And then at the same time, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of uh Hiroyuki Sonata. I love I love it anytime he shows up. From the last samurai to the 30 seconds he had in Avengers Endgame. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just just when I when I see him, I know it's gonna be good. I mean we, we uh, already I'm, know that John Wick 4 is gonna be in your top three because Hiroyuki Sonata's in it. Yeah, yeah, because he's gonna be in it. It's just he's he's you know, I I I love a lot of the samurai culture, and and he's keeping samurai culture alive with his with his acting and his projects, and 
it's just it's just phenomenal what he does. Um, and and then you know just great cameos too. You know you got Sandra Bullock and uh oh what's his face Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds and the other guy, um, Twenty One Jump Street, Magic oh. Mike. Oh, uh, uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Channing Tatum. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is great. Um, uh, this is a this is a very good role for Joey King, too. She she does a great job. And then, you know, Michael Shannon at the end comes out. And and and, and Michael Shannon is not necessarily someone you would expect to be in something, like, this dumb. <laughs> but it works. It's great. And, and... Like, it's it's also just like self-contained. Like you're, you're, they're just in a train the whole time, um, and and that's always a smart move when you can do that. So yeah, bullet train, fucking love it. All right, um, my number three is okay. My number three has the best ending of any movie for twenty twenty two, ladies and gentlemen. That number three is Tar. Oh <laughs> my God. Okay. I'm not mentioning the plot of this movie at all. Just go see it. But let me be, let me just put it this way. It is the best open discussion on cancel culture that I have seen because it truly looks at all sides of the current spectrum of it while simultaneously acknowledging its merits in the best way. 100% in the best way. Um, how do I put this? I think, we, I think I know who's going to win Best Lead Actress. There is no denying it. In a career that has already spanned so many incredible roles and already won Oscars already, People are calling this a career-defining performance, and that is crazy, all, all things considered. Um, not so much a weakness of this movie, but one factor for why it's not my number one is that the movie genuinely takes about 40 minutes for you to get into. But if you give it those 40 minutes, it will pay off in spades. Just Without a doubt, because after that point, it delivers one of the greatest scenes I have seen in a long time. And then it just, you pick up, and Al and I already talked about this during our podcast episode, but the power of subtlety cannot be stated enough in this. My God, I think I haven't seen a movie so subtle and so blatant simultaneously in ever. Um... But yeah, that's all I'm willing to say. Go see it. Find a way to watch it. I think it's on um, Peacock, right? Or it's on yep, some... it's on Peacock. It's on Peacock. Okay. Um, just watch Peacock it. Peacock original movie, Tar. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but my only thing of it is that you do have to give it... You have to give yourself... You have to allow the movie to play out a bit. It's just, it's, it's not a weakness, but it is a factor of the movie. Watch it, and you will love it. End of story. All right, my third favorite movie of 2022, what I consider to be the third best movie of 2022. It's also 
it's also one of the biggest movies of 2022 and that's top gun maverick tom cruise truly is the last uh movie star it's true and honestly he deserves to be the last movie star because the effort the intensity the passion he puts into listen we, we all know he's crazy we all know he's crazy <laughs> but you know you know yeah. what you know what that insanity Man, them, that think, goes, them think them think them keeping them young i know but you know it's the, that insanity that passion he puts into his projects the fact that he he sat on doing a top gun sequel for years until he thought there was a good angle to approach it and then to quite literally save the movie industry this was... which he didn't need to hear by the way but fine yes that is correct <laughs> he didn't he already thinks he's saving the world and now he actually saved hollywood that's that's a problem you, you know yeah. listen and it's not just tom cruise like listen uh tony scott unfortunately passed away and this this project was in limbo nobody knew what to do and tom, tom cruise went to jerry bruckheimer and said i worked with joseph kaczynski on oblivion and he is one of the best filmmakers one of the unsung heroes of filmmaking in hollywood you need to hire him and listen i have a deep very very soft spot big spot in my heart for oblivion that movie means a lot to me a lot and joseph kaczynski brings that talent that edge and just the spotless cinematography from claudio miranda who pretty much brought digital cinematography to hollywood and we're we're shown one of the best action movies probably probably the best american action movie of the year and tom cruise gives us his a game this is the best i've seen miles teller in a long time in a long time and honestly his role playing goose's son like you look at him and you're like dude you're totally gonna play um oh what the, the guy was an ER, and if they ever do an ER prequel, Miles Teller is going to play the younger version of the guy who played Goose. Um, Val Kilmer has a very, very heartwarming scene in this that, that I thought was very well done and honored Val Kilmer and his contributions to the iconic status of this movie. Glenn Powell, who plays Hangman, that motherfucker's a star. That motherfucker, like, if this didn't prove it to you, Devotion definitely did. This guy's a star. Uh, honestly, this this movie, the 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 fact that they went above and beyond by putting these actors in planes and shooting all these crazy stunts, these jet stunts in camera as possible, and it's just it's just such a it. You know, I I really wish the MCU was willing to put as much effort into action and set piece as the filmmakers of Top Gun Maverick did. Because honestly, when when we left this movie, the one thing on my mind was like, that was some of the most intense shit I've ever seen. And it stayed with me all year. I could never get it out of my mind. Top Gun Maverick definitely deserves its nomination for Best Picture. And if it wins, great. So that's all I have to say. And then there were two. Well, it's funny you mentioned Top Gun Maverick because my number two is Top Gun Maverick. Hell uh, yeah! When, when I was talking about, you know, you know how, how 2022 was like the year we returned to theaters, this was it for me. This was the first movie I saw in a theater that had more than 10 people in it. And it was a packed out theater too. Um, I love the original Top Gun. Um, I'm a sucker for 80s movies like that. 
Um, they they treated this right. They did it right. They they brought in characters and made us care about them. Um, and and you know, like the first Top Gun, you have all the other pilots, but there's only really three characters you care about with Maverick, Goose, and Iceman. Um, here here you care about a lot more of them. Um, and, and and that's and that's really great. They bring that that uh, they they raise the stakes here with the mission. You're like like someone's not coming home. Like 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 this mission is too risky, kind of thing. And 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 you have a great great uh, like father son relationship with Tom Gr- uh, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller because you know he, you know Maverick you know was supposed to fill that role and then and then everything um and and they he brought back Val Kilmer and and wrote in his current condition to make it work and and to me that that really that really showed me how much care went into this project um i mean i you guys know me i love fighter jets um uh and and i have a new celebrity crush in monica barbaro who played phoenix um and and yeah i i have this i bought this movie when it came out it's on my ipad like i'll watch it every now and then um yeah i i could go on just top gun top gun maverick is my number two best uh movie of the year all righty um and for the record that is it is it is that movie was an incredible experience. It's why I put it in my honorable mentions. I acknowledge the impact that movie has 110%. My number two is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, what can I say that hasn't already been said about this movie? All I'll add is that I love when weird movies are appreciated because it's the weird movies that push the envelope that make other movies do more daring things. It's the weird movies that take us places that we don't even know where we're going yet. Um, And I love that a lot, not all, but a lot of the pre-production, post-production, and post-production crew were, if not first-timers, very early in their career like these were people who are just starting out and already they're in a movie that everybody loves and everybody's talking about and they did a great fucking job too um definitely the best multiverse movie of the year which i never thought i'd say that but yes best movie about the multiverse uh because it treated it in a much more inspired way and that's that's what matters at the end of the day. And I'm glad, I'm just glad a movie like this exists. And for that reason, it's my number two. And uh, it's not my number one because there are moments where it's just being weird for the sake of weird. And that's always, it's always tricky to figure out when you're going to do that. But for that reason, though that's part of its charm, that's why it's number two and not number one. Uh, so... My number two, and I, I have to say that I am so happy I caught this. I, 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 I honestly, this movie touched me. 
I, I, I'm still thinking about this movie, um, and I, I'm actually tearing up a bit. This, 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 this checks so many boxes of things that is very important to me that that I think are values that need to be upheld, and the movie I'm talking about is uh, the Indian Telugu epic RRR. I know you guys are probably like, what the hell? RRR. It's it was kind of that big meme movie that everyone was watching on Netflix over the summer. Um, the one on Netflix is the Hindi dubbed version. The actual film uh, is told in the Telugu language, and it's really hard to find on certain streaming sites. I was able to catch it because I was curious. You know, a reviewer I really respect was like, "You need to watch this." RRR basically tells the story of these two warriors these these two warriors who are on opposite sides of, of a conflict and when they meet they have no idea that they're really supposed to be enemies and they meet and they bond they develop this intense friendship this beautiful friendship right and and it's only a matter of time before they discover that they actually should be fighting each other not being best friends this movie this movie shows you just the absolute joy in telling a story the the country of India has in telling stories through cinema. I this 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 movie you watch it the joy the the awe-inspiring set pieces you see. This this is the best action movie of 2022 because this movie wants to awe you. This movie wants to leave your jaw open. This movie wants to make you laugh. It wants to make you cry. And most importantly, this movie shows such a beautiful, non-toxic male friendship. Too many times we have movies, these buddy movies, where they're not really buddies. They just kind of have to work together, but they're always fighting. These guys genuinely love each other. And it generally hurts their souls when they have to fight each other, when they can't agree. And that's just so refreshing to see. It really is. Too many times, I, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but too many times, you know, we're always like, oh, no, no, men shouldn't be touchy-feely and hug each other. That's wrong. This this is a beautiful movie. This is a movie that celebrates the the Indian nation. It's This movie literally has a set piece where a guy catches an Indian tiger. And you believe it. These two actors, uh, N.T. Rama Rao Jr. and Ram Charan, these guys are one of the biggest actors in India. And when I saw it, I was like, these guys should be some of the biggest actors in the world. You totally buy it. This is a film that demands to be seen. My only regret is that I didn't see this on the big screen. This, this is this is something. If you if you can only watch it on Netflix, watch it on Netflix. But to get the true experience, try to get watch the Telugu uh, uh, version. And last but not least, I know it's always weird. You know, we make fun of Bollywood movies because they always break out into song and dance. Honestly, one like there's a dance number in here. It's the most famous dance number of the film where it's literally these two guys telling a racist colonizing British dude to fuck off because they're going to dance the way they were taught to dance in their country. And it fucking kicks ass. This movie demands to be seen. Everybody should watch it. This is my second favorite movie of 2022. Alrighty. Jay? What's your favorite movie, is this, Jay? Is this it? Is this number one? This, this is number, number one. one. We All did right. it. Um, my number one is 
a dangerous man starring Steven Seagal. And, Don't fuck uh, yourself. Well, Get out. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Oh my god. Uh, uh, so this is this is one that you both have in your top ten, um, and this was this was the one that I was most excited about uh, at the start of the year, and it it didn't let me down. It did so much more. My number one uh, film for twenty twenty two was the Batman. Um, yes. <laughs> you guys, you guys mentioned it earlier. Like this is a true detective Batman story, um, and 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 you know it's not just him trying to find out what the bad guy's plan is. It's not just him trying to stop the bad guy. It's him trying to figure out all this shit out and 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 bring justice to the city. But also at the same time, like this is a very raw Batman. It's very year one Batman. He's still. He still doesn't know what the Batman is supposed to be, and I love that he's trying to figure that out. Um, this has probably the best entrance of a Batman I've ever seen, where he just walks out of the shadows, like like he's not he's not like behind someone, he's not you know above someone or or anything. He just walks out of the shadows, and and it's as every bit as intimidating as it should be. Um, uh, Zoe Kravitz did an exceptional job of being Catwoman. And and you're right, like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman isn't isn't the best. And I think what what hurt her performance was one, when we see Anne Hathaway in roles, she's usually pretty bougie and 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 in the Dark Knight Rises we don't really get to see how like piss poor Celine Kyle is. But here we see it. Here we get you know, just how just trodden down the city of Gotham is. And and, and they went back to the gothicness of Gotham too. Um, which I, I really appreciated. Because they um, mixed that they mixed the cities of Edinburgh, which is in Scotland and mm-hmm. it's very gothic, and the city of Chicago, which is like modern gothic. So it's it's perfect. Right. Yeah. Um and 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 uh uh, you know Jeffrey Wright as as Gordon, uh, is is great. I like it's it's a true working relationship. It's not just Batman giving Gordon information. That this is a true they're they're partners in this and they're and they're working together on this and that's that's really refreshing to see. Um, the <laughs> penguin is is incredible. Um, uh, I mean what a what a great job of makeup and what a great performance by Colin Farrell. Like you can't tell it's him at all. Um, you know, superhero movies have a trend of bringing in three of the rogues and, and, you know, you get that here with Riddler, uh, uh, Penguin and Catwoman and, and, and a a lot of, uh, uh, what a lot of, uh, superhero movies do. That's a mistake is have the rogues team up. And all have the same plot together, but here, here they're three individual people in three individual roles, and 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 they mean three individual things to Batman, and and that's just really great how they did that. Um, I they they start filming on the Batman two in November. Um, uh, I kind of hope. 
they save uh, Penguin being the main bad guy for the third one. I kind of, but I still want him to be in it. I just want him to be, you know, just that that gangster part of it for for a while and just build his uh, his his criminal empire. Um, you know, they tease the Joker in it, uh, of course, which wasn't wasn't all too bad of uh, of a a performance. I it was definitely interesting. Um, obviously, got to give Paul Dano all the credit for his performance. I I'm bummed he didn't get an Oscar nom for that. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's just my one critique, and and this goes against everything. Uh, that I believe in films. Um, I wanted there to be more narration. I wanted there to be a, a, a bit more of a noir feel to it. Um, and so just at the beginning and end. Um, and I'm not someone who likes narration a lot. I couldn't even... I got 10 minutes into Elvis and turned it off. Because I didn't want that fucking narration. Um, by the way, Elvis is my number 6 worst movie of the year. Anyways... Moving on. Um, <laughs> had to get it in, uh, didn't you? Yeah, had to get it in. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks with an accent. You just don't need it. Um, uh, but yeah, the Batmobile works here. It's it's very basic, but it's overpowering. Um, the, uh, the relationship with Alfred. We get a much younger Alfred and a much more believable... Uh, Offered in the sense of like the the former special forces kind of character that he's supposed to be, um, and and I think I think they're in the right direction, and I think this is this is the best product the DC that DC has on camera right now, and and I'm definitely excited for more. So, my number one. It's the Northmen there. All right. <laughs> so this is actually, as Jay pointed out, it's Hamlet with Vikings. And to be clear, Shakespeare actually stole it from them. Well, not literally, but the original story of Hamlet, or at least the one before Hamlet, we don't know if there was one before that, was a story called Amlet, and it is a Viking tale. And it is literally the story of the Northmen. Um, one major thing I've come to realize that will make a movie my potential favorite of the year is do I have a moment where I remember I'm in a movie theater or not or you know if I'm home obviously if I remember that but do I do I break does my consciousness break at any point and most movies yes and that doesn't mean it's a bad movie it just it happens sometimes but when a movie never does that there's something to be said. I do think comedies are kind of separate from this because you're laughing and enjoying it. That's a different scenario. But of the movies I have listed, The Northman is the only one that I didn't have that break in. And everything else that has been said about this movie are reasons why I love it. But what makes it edge out ahead is that fact. Also, I said Tar. Tar has the best ending, but The Northman has the best final shot of any movie in 2022. Um, 
I also loved that the movie was completely unapologetic in the raw Viking culture that it was betraying, which I know ended up biting it in the ass a little bit. A lot of people said this film was unapproachable, which I'm going to be honest, as I've mentioned, as Al and I mentioned in the podcast, I did not, I did not understand. Like we understood the basics and we didn't need anything else. Um, but this is my number one because it was so enriching and so engrossing. Um, and they did it for an extraordinarily modest budget, which seeing what they achieved, the seeing what they achieved with that is just remarkable. Um, but yes, it's my number one. I didn't expect it to be my number one. I was actually telling Jay earlier, I was finding reasons not to make it my number one. But then I just realized, wait, why am, why am I making myself fight this? If it's my favorite movie of the year, fuck it. It's my favorite movie of the year. <clears throat> I mean, The Northman is a great movie to have as your favorite movie. And listen, this is so weird because I seen those like back when we were in college i was kind of like the this guy really likes big action movies so he always seems to lean into big action or 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 like you know anime you know like like dramas i i appreciate dramas and there are a lot of dramas i like but i'm usually not you know really into you know the the kind the kind of stuff that that wins oscars like on a on a in a kind of typical fashion but but we have a superhero movie and we have a historical epic but to me the movie that has stayed with me the longest that I've always thought about that I've rewatched three times already and I I got to say it it's it's Todd Field's Tar that movie I I see has mentioned it before that is the greatest movie about uh cancel culture I think it is the most mature and most thought-provoking movie about the Me Too era and about accountability and about, um, quite frankly, uh, like abusive power dynamics. Oh, it, it's the most thought-provoking, most complete and engrossing movie dealing with this subject matter. And you know what? It tells... It, it, it gets its point across not just through characters learning a lesson but through how how the how they interact with their environment how Todd Fields puts in like moments of pure horror into his into this movie where you're like why am I watching a horror movie scene and you realize oh it's Tar's guilt Kate Blanchett okay I this is so weird a lot of guys our age will always say that there will be blood is like the best like character piece movie they've ever seen. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a weirdo. I, I, I respect there will be blood, but it's not really something I go like watching over and over again. Tar is my, there will be blood. <laughs> tar, tar is literally that movie where I'll be like, Kate Blatchett is the greatest actress of her generation. You need to watch tar. It is a, it is literally a, locomotive it is it is a tank of a performance and i was engrossed you know c is right those first 40 minutes i was kind of like Kate blanchett is really good in this but i i'm kind of 
kind of bored and this all this upper class NPR bullshit I'm not really buying it and then the movie grabs you and doesn't let go and I was I could not take my eyes off the screen this movie is a horror movie this movie has has probably the best laughs of any movie I've seen there is a scene in here where Kate Blanchett has an accordion and I can't breathe because I'm laughing so hard. And you know what? C's mentioned it. This has the best ending I've ever seen. I saw this ending. This is, I'm not lying to you guys. I'm honest. I literally stood up and clapped. I was like, Todd, listen, Todd Field has directed a couple movies that I've seen and I'm like, all right, he kind of discovered the guy who would end up playing Rorschach in uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, so whatever. But he hasn't made a movie in years. Literally writes this because he's stuck in his house during the pandemic. And this, to me, is the best movie I've seen all year. Nothing comes close. I uh, Honestly, Kate Blanchett deserves all the awards. If she doesn't win the Oscar, the Oscars are rigged. Uh, yeah, this is a movie... When the in, inevitable Criterion Collection Edition comes out, I'm going to buy like three copies. And I'm going to give two of them to you guys. <laughs> this, well, this, this, is, this is, this quite frankly is my There Will Be Blood. And There Will Be Blood, if, it do, if she doesn't win the Oscar, I take it. Yeah. Um, well, guys. I, I didn't <laughs> give that movie the 40 minutes. I tapped out after 15 hey listen listen, listen. I, I get it man listen I, I respect that like like I know you guys both had everything everywhere all at once I liked the movie but it was one of those things I was like okay I get it I don't really need to like everything I've listed I've seen at least twice and there uh, Michelle Yao won just won the sack by the way oh so oh, damn. well we're talking about it, it it's gonna be it's they're, gonna be a they're race. like sweeping the sack awards right now so it's gonna be between her and Kate Blanchett they might yeah. just give it to Michelle Yao because Kate Blanchett's already won, but I honestly think Kate Blanchett has the, the better performance, which we will discuss uh, on a, on a, once the Oscars happen. But uh, listen, uh, just before we close out, uh, any observations you guys have with our lists? Okay, you you want to start? Yeah. Any observations? Um. No, not really. Um, I. I mean, you guys, you guys like the things you like, and you don't like the things you don't like. Are are you? And, and I'm not really, I'm not really surprised by any of your list. So. I I gotta say, uh, Apollo Ten and a Half is still like my surprise. Like, oh, you guys actually included that in your list. That being said, I gotta say, like, I knew there was gonna be overlap. Holy shit, there's a lot of overlap on no, our yeah. lists. I actually, what what I and that's yes, there's. I'm happy. I was happy to see the overlap. Um, it's it shows. But that goes back to the average year too. Yeah. That, yeah. Actually, yeah. You're yeah. right. Starting up. No. Like, yeah. The average year, so there wasn't like what stood out was so few that it stood out even more. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true, and it's. I, I actually, think, yeah. I think I think what I'm I'm kind of surprised by is that, uh, like kind of like we. Our, our, I think all of us, well, my, with the exception of my number two, like our, our top threes, like, are like any, anywhere, like each one of us, like their, our top threes are in each other's top 10. So I, I was kind of shocked just how that kept happening over and over again. 
You know, it's kind of weird because did, did I have? No. See, you had the Batman as the lowest. Yes, I had it as my number nine. And I had it as my number six, but Jay had it as his number one. Yeah. Whereas Jay didn't have Tar at all, and you had it as your... Three. As your three. And you had it as your one. And I have it as my one. And then... Who had, Northman. Who, who Where was that for you? Northman was my number four. And Jay's was six? Uh, that was my number five. Your number five and my okay. Okay, my number one. Okay, so Jay had that one. That's 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 funny. That's funny yeah. that way. Well, it's that's because it 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 showed the movies that really stood out. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, and I'm happy that for the most part, the movies that we've all mentioned, everyone loved or are now getting their dues. I'm really happy about that. Oh yeah, because in a world in a year, in a year that's was more let's just say normal for the for the for the sake of argument many of these movies would not be as talked about so take that with what you will um i would say this is the weirdest year of films since district nine i would say uh jay did you have any films in your top 10 that me and and we haven't seen No, because you guys are doing this podcast and you guys are going out and seeing everything. That's true. And even not okay. inviting me to see everything. Like <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, listen, go well, see. Well, one yeah. thing I will say, I really want you two guys to see RRR, even if it is the Netflix version. Um, and you know what? I'll be honest. After hearing C's take on uh, Bones and All, I might I might give that a watch. It's yeah. that's that's a that's a time. It as I said, that one it. If you if you if you walk up to me and you're like I fucking hated it, I'd be like, cool, totally get it. Don't judge me for it. No, no, <laughs> I get that. that. That that being said, I'll be shocked if either of you two go like, R I didn't like it. Like, well, you guys might be like, oh, it's a little too much, but you'll see the heart of it and like really yeah. appreciate. It. Is it, it, it is it Bollywood? Yeah, it's Bollywood. Well, ten, so I nah, actually I'm not gonna watch it. Hold, well, hold on, I technically it's Tollywood. Technically. Each language in India has its own film industry, but the umbrella term of Bollywood they seem to accept. You can't call it Tollywood, man. They, they do. You, you can't call it Tollywood. That's they what do. they call Cause, it. Because the first thing I thought of was the Tal- the Taliban. I know, I know, but you know it, it is what it is. God, like Jesus. No, but man. Like, like honestly, honestly, if you get on its wavelength, you like again. I I teared up because I. You, you guys know me. I, I, I'm a sucker for, like, male friendship things in movies and, and TV shows and books. Well, yeah. Ooh, we wonder why. We, 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 such a shock. <laughs> such a shock. Well, anyway, um, this has been a really, really good episode. And I, no, I, this has been great. I, li- listen, I'll say this. I and, really, guys, thanks for listening to part three of this episode. <laughs> I, I will say this. I will say this. I respect both your lists. No, I respect both of your lists, too. I think... Overlap aside, I think we, I, I'm proud, I'm happy that I have friends that have good taste in movies. And that's, yeah. you, listen, we all have friends where that's not the case. So it's I, good to I'm find just, people that do. Honestly, honestly, I'll be, I'll be real with you guys. If either of you guys had put like any MCU movie that came out this year, I'd be a little disappointed in you. <laughs> hey, you know what? They weren't on there and we don't have to talk about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so this has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. 
Jay? A- am I supposed to join in this part? I never know. Okay, well... I never know how to do this. <laughs> That's okay. true. We, ne- we, ne- we never told I them. came... No, no, you're Just right. Just because I came up with a podcast idea doesn't mean I know how to how you okay, guys want to okay. format the All podcast right. idea. Okay, okay. This has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And this is our friend Jay. Hey. All right. Well, we'll have it better rehearsed next time, guys. Yeah. Good night, everybody. So long. Goodbye. Goodbye.